Episode 28 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on March 13th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Bioware gave some details on what will happen to existing crates when Game Update 5.2 goes live. Should you open or save them? I'll have the answer for you today. Also this week, Bioware is targeting specific content and adjusting their CXP gains. I'll tell you which ones are getting nerfed. The Unstable Arbiter's lightsaber went up for direct sale on the cartel market for 7,600 coins. Is it worth the price? Finally this week, I conducted a little experiment to see if leveling could be made hard. Did it work? I'll share the results with you today. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 28 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. First, as always, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. And Bioware announced some details for their upcoming Cantina Tour at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando, and it will be held on Friday, April 14th, at the Hilton Orlando. They did not announce a time for the event, but I expect it will be early evening-ish. They said that space will be limited, so be sure to arrive early. And also, it is an adult event, and all attendees must be 18 years or older to participate, and you should be prepared to show an ID. And by adult, they mean alcohol will be served. We're not talking about Twi'leks pole dancing in hut slave costumes. It's not that kind of cantina. And by the way, if anyone from Bioware is listening, please, please, please card me at the door. Uh, one, it will make me feel really young. And two, I'll get to wave my hand and say, you don't need to see my identification. Because that is item 501 on my bucket list, by the by. But anyway, I can't wait for this. Uh, my badges for SWCO arrived last week, and it is starting to feel real. Uh, I attended the Cantina Tour in Anaheim, and it re- really is great fun. I actually got there a bit late and missed out on a lot of the good stuff, but still had a good time. So this year, uh, I plan to be there when it starts, and I look forward to meeting other players, podcasters, as much as I do the folks from Bioware. So just Star Wars Celebration Orlando, it's just a little over a month away now. So that's all the announcements I have. Uh, let's slice the hollow nut and get to the news this week. And as you heard in the opening, Galactic Command is the gift that keeps on giving, and I've got more news for Game Update 5.2. First up, Command Crates Clarification. And Eric Musco provided a clarification on what will happen with unopened Command Crates that you earned prior to Game Update 5.2. And here's what Eric initially said and what I reported about it last week. And he said the contents of your Command Crates is determined when you open them. Think of how it works with Disciplines. So any tier 1 through 3 crates you have prior to 5.2 will have the adjusted drop rates if you open them after 5.2 goes live. Well, it turns out that this is not the case, and Eric went back to the developers to confirm how it will work, and this is what he came back with uh, regarding the question of if you have crates before 5.2, will their drop rates adjust after the update comes out? 
And the answer is they will not change with the update. And regarding how the drop rates of crates are determined post 5.2, Eric stated that the drop rate is determined when you acquire the crate. What is in the crate is determined when you open it. So the crate you got at rank 30 will always have rank 30 drop rates, but you can still change disciplines before opening it to adjust the contents appropriately. In short, the system is built in a way that we want you to open the crates as you get them. There is no gameplay benefit to holding them. So there you are. Uh, the only reason you might want to hang on to your crates is if you are rank 300 and want to disintegrate all of the items to work towards getting tier 4 crates. Because the worst tier 4 gear is better than the best tier 3 gear. And... Uh, so, yeah, that's really the, the only reason why I, I can think of why you would want to hang on to those existing crates. Otherwise, just, just bust them open and hope for the best and enjoy whatever gear that you get from them. So, so that was the first bit of news. The other one, uh, the next thing I want to talk about are content reward changes. And the big news from this past week dealt with what types of activities we'll be doing in 5.2 to earn those tier four crates. And I can tell you the answer to that won't be the Fractured Uprising or Chapters 1 and 2 of Knights of the Fallen Empire. All of those activities are having their CXP rewards nerfed. In fact, Fractured was nerfed this past week, although it wasn't mentioned in the 5.1.2 patch notes. And here's what Eric Musco said. So he said, here's what happened. This change is intended. It just wasn't supposed to happen until 5.2. And we're talking about the Fractured Uprising here by the way. And he said that is the reason it was missed in the patch notes. In 5.1.2, we made a lot of adjustments to the rewards that come from missions. Our goal was to rebalance these missions to account for difficulty, number of players, and time spent. In 5.1.2, these were all buffs. We wanted to make these experiences better while the event was running. As most people know, Fractured was far and away the best source of CXP for uprisings. We did need to bring it in line with the other uprisings for time spent to reward ratio. However, we were planning to do this after the event was over so that we didn't nerf any activities while it was running. Unfortunately, the change got picked up early and went live in 5.1.2. I will work on getting it added to the patch notes and apologize for it being missed. It is our goal that CXP gains are based on time difficulty and group size with that in mind i will let you know of any future changes which are planned of course the last part about future changes got people speculating and all eyes were on knights of the fallen empires chapters one and two and sure enough the nerf bat is headed their way in 5.2 again and here is uh what the man who is keeping me in business these days the one and only eric musco had to say on this topic i talked with the team to get the scope of what mission rewards are changing with 5.2 as some of you guessed in the thread the following missions are also having their cxp values reduced uh, knights of the fallen empire chapter one knights of the fallen empire chapter two those two along with fractured are the only mission rewards that are seeing major changes in 5.2 however there are other missions which are receiving minor tweaks as well. Just to set an expectation beyond 5.2, we will continue to make mission reward adjustments based on time spent versus reward. Our goal is quite simple. If you play a type of content, you should receive fairly consistent rewards across that content difficulty based on time spent. 
And he gave an example. Uh, if you play story mode uprisings, we want all uprisings to give you relatively the same reward for the time you spend playing them. If an uprising takes five minutes, it should give around one-fifth the reward of the one that takes 25 minutes. Obviously, that won't be exact, but you get the idea. If I learn of any other CXP changes happening in 5.2 or in the future, I will pass them on. Well, I'm certainly not surprised to see the nerfs to Chapter 1 and 2. In fact, I'm glad that they have the capability to tune individual pieces of content. I stated once before that there are 25 story chapters, 23 of which are very inefficient for grinding CXP, and two that were utterly amazing. Chapters 1 and 2, as well as the Fractured Uprising, are outliers, and if they didn't have the ability to tune content on an individual basis, then we probably would see nerfs to all of the chapters and all of the uprisings, and that would be awful. As to how I feel about the chapter nerfs, I, I can't really complain too much here. When the CXP event started, I was rank 61. Two weeks later, I was rank 300. That's over 200 crates of gear in two weeks. And while I'm not best in slot, the state of my gear is pretty good. And if you translate this into operations, view each crate as a boss kill. What, that's over 200 boss kills over a two lockout period, which is kind of insane. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't get the same results. Currently, from PvP, flashpoints, uprising, operations, etc. But that's not what I was doing. And like Eric said, when you have a single activity that you can do solo that performs as well, if not better than group activities, it's a problem. So I'm not really upset about it. And if anything, I'm glad that I won't feel compelled to hop back on that treadmill for Tier 4 and the truth is, I think Bioware is probably doing me a big favor here by nerfing uh, this content. And, and again, these changes are coming in 5.2 and will coincide with the end of the CXP event. And one of the reasons these chapters were so attractive is the amount of CXP they rewarded, which now begs the question, what will CXP look like without the event boost? And the answer is, isn't yet known, but Eric Musco did say this. Just to clear up any confusion, once the CXP event has ended, we will be buffing the standard CXP rate. They won't be returning to rates that you experienced before the event. They will be higher. Exactly how high is still to be determined, and I should have that information in the coming weeks. So we don't know how much of a buff, uh, regular CXP is going to get. And I think I said this last week because it was hinted or suggested that they were going to be doing this. But, you know, anything lower than what we have today will probably feel a little bit worse. Um, you know, it's just going to feel nerfed because we, we're, we're getting very used to earning CXP at this current boosted rate. So whatever they do, while better than what we had before, we're also reaching a point where I, I don't really remember too much what it was like before. I just know what it's like today. And so it's going to feel like a nerf um, is, is the only concern and that, you know, people may not be as happy with it um, as as Bioware is perhaps hoping. Uh, the one thing that will help here, though, though, is that the superior command boost, which grants a 100% boost to CXP, is going to work at all ranks now. Uh, currently, it stops working after rank 179, but that won't be the case, meaning um, it's just going to work, period. So if you're working, if you're at rank 300 
and you're working on those tier four crates, you're going to be able to pop a superior command boost and get a 100% boost to CXP, which is pretty, pretty significant. That's pretty sweet. And remember, there are two versions of this. One you can buy for 200 command tokens uh, and last two hours, and the other that comes from the cartel market and lasts three hours. And um, if you go to the cartel market, if it's not highlighted under the featured items, just click under consumables, and that's where you're going to find all the cartel market boosts, not only the, the superior, but the regular one that gives you a 25% boost. And I, I, I just throw that out there because I was uh, tweeting with someone, I think, last week, uh, and they couldn't find the one that gives you the 25% boost. And so I just pointed out that, hey, you got to look under your consumable section, and there you go. And, you know, I imagine that it will feel almost compulsory that you have one of these boosts when working on, on CXP. I don't know how you'll want to do with, with, without one. So, you know, just keep that in mind. I mean, I've got, I don't know, over a thousand plus, uh, command tokens, which is pretty good, but at, you know, 200 a pop to buy one of these boosts that they're going to burn through those pretty, pretty darn fast. So that's it for Galactic Command this week. Uh, who knows what it will bring next week, but for now I wanted to shift gears and talk about the Unstable Arbiter's Lightsaber, which went up on the cartel market for direct sale for a mind-blowing price of 7,600 cartel coins, which translates to roughly $60 of real money. So here was the reasoning behind putting it up for sale. And uh, what Eric posted on the forums was, since the introduction of the cartel market packs, we have had requests to allow more items, especially our rarest items, to be bought directly with cartel coins. The desire is to pay for the item and avoid the random nature of cartel packs. For some time now, we have been direct selling more cartel pack items, and our data shows it's a popular method of acquiring specific items from the cartel market. Yet we have been cautious of doing this with platinum items, as these items are intended to be exceptionally rare, and we need to ensure we do not cause them to be undervalued, especially for players who got them from packs. Now, I'm all for doing these direct sales for rare items that you won't find in the current set of packs. I mean, they're all cosmetic, and they're there to make your characters look cool, and they're fun. And when you get something like this that you really like, it makes you feel good, and it contributes towards having a little more positive outlook for the game. And I'm not one of these people that cares about other people having something rare. I think sometimes you find folks who want items to be rare, just not for them. In other words, they want to have the item, and they don't want anyone else to have it. And that that's not me. I just don't care. Once I have something, I don't care who else has it. The price of the item, though, in my opinion, is way too high. I think shelling out 60 bucks for a cosmetic item is a bit much to ask, but we'll see. And Eric said that the pricing was a test. And at the end of the day, if people are willing to buy it, then BioWorld will continue to sell platinum items at this price. If sales fall flat, then they might try it again at a reduced price. And I mean, that's really all there is to it. I think a price of a hypercrate would have made more sense, even though that's expensive as well. But I suggest that price because people do buy hypercrates sometimes, hoping to get that one special item. 
Of course, they get lots of other things they can use or sell, but there is that men- mentality, at least, of buying the packs and the hypercrates based on the potential of getting a specific item. Now, as for the lightsaber itself, it does look cool, although I think the Unstable Peacemaker's lightsaber looks much better. Uh, the sounds, though, I think need work. And the sound it makes, especially when deactivating it, is really weak. Uh, and in fact, why don't we do this? Let's go ahead and take a listen to the, some of the sounds, um, for the unstable arbiter's lightsaber. And here first up is the, the lightsaber activating and deactivating. Now as you can hear, the deactivation, the deactivation sound is this little fizzle and I really don't like it that much. In fact, I don't like it at all. And I, I, it just makes me cringe a little bit every time I hear that lightsaber turn off. Um, so, you know, that is probably my number one complaint with this. And the unstable peacemaker's lightsaber has the, I believe has the exact same sound. So it's, you know, it's across the board here. Now, here's what it sounds like in combat. <laughs> Now that's not too bad, but I think there are better sounding sabers out there to be sure. And remember, this is based off of Kylo Ren's lightsaber from The Force Awakens. Now, and, and I've got a sound clip of that. So here, here you go. Here's what Kylo Ren's lightsaber from The Force Awakens sounds like. Now that one is pretty amazing and I don't know if BioWare has, BioWare has access to those sound files or if they're even allowed to use them or if they always have to create their own sounds, but it'd be great if it sounded more like that, especially when you're talking about a, a, a platinum item, uh, you know, in something that's meant to be exceptionally rare and where you're going to shell out $60 of real money the way they priced it now. I just think, you know, the sounds really need some some improvement here. All right, so that's it for the Unstable Arbiter's lightsaber. I mean, we'll see if people buy it. I kind of hope they don't because I like the idea of these direct sales, but this is too expensive for my blood. And in fact, I'm not sure what my price point would be, but it's not this. So 
All right, and we're cruising right along today, and so on to my final topic this week, which is a little leveling experiment that I tried. Now, a few weeks back, I was talking to some people on Twitter about the state of leveling in the Old Republic. The two main complaints were it's too fast and it's too easy. Uh, the idea is that these go hand in hand, right? The higher your level, the easier it is to defeat enemies, even with the level sink. So what I set out to do was to see if it was possible to emulate the leveling experience that existed when the game launched. And to that end, I wanted to see what I could do to limit my XP gains as well as my power within reason. And I say within reason because I still wanted to play the game as it was meant to be played. So I wasn't willing to say limit my power by, you know, not having a companion out or just taking off all of my gear, for example. Those were kind of out of the scope of what I, of of the, what I say, like the, the, the means at which I was willing to go to just limit my power. I did create a series of rules though to follow and, and here they, here they are. So one, I wanted to remain ungilded to avoid the leveling perk. I was going to avoid using any leveling boosts or legacy perks. So anything that basically boosted, uh, XP gains, I, I just didn't want to, to have. Now rested XP was, was okay, right? Cause it's just sort of a, a normal natural part of the game. And of course this meant using the white acute module to disable the current event XP gains. Uh, as far as gear goes, I was only going to use quest gear. So whatever items I received as a quest reward, that was the gear that I would equip, which it turns out though is, is actually gotten quite a bit better than, than what it used to, used to be. Especially if you do some of those heroic quests, uh, you actually get some pretty decent gear out of those. The other thing I was going to do was enable exploration quests. All right. And by the way, if you're not aware of this, if you open up your world map in the top right hand corner, there's a little checkbox for exploration quests and it's off. It's turned off by default. If you check it, you will see all those little side quests that, that exist in the game that they're, they're not gone. They're still there, but they're by default, they're hidden from you. So you go ahead and check that and you'll see all the quests that existed. And I know that speeds things up, but that was part of the original uh, leveling experience. So I wanted to enable them as well. Now, as far as companions go, I decided the rule was to only use class companions and set them to their original roles. So, for example, if I was playing a bounty hunter and using Galt, he would be DPS only. I wouldn't, you know, turn, make him... Uh, give him the tanking role or I wouldn't give him the healing role. I wanted to keep companions set to their original roles. Uh, as far as movement too, and again, this sort of goes to speeding things up and slowing things down. So I decided that I would use sprint at its original level, which was level 14. Uh, I get it at level one, but so I said, all right, I wasn't going to turn on sprint until I reached level 14. And as far as vehicles that I would train the vehicles at their original levels being level 25, level 40, and then level 50 for, you know, speeder piloting one, two, and three, respectively. And then I would also only use my class buff, not the others, because I wanted to use the white acute module to disable the uh, event. I really had to do this on a, on a server where I had some other characters that had access to the fleet and could get me that, that module module. 
And it was just easier to do it on a realm where I had basically uh, a full legacy fleshed out, which meant when I activate my class buff, I would ultimately activate all the other class buffs. So, but, but you can right click those and, and turn those off. So that was the idea. Hey, limit my power by using my class buff, not the others, which is the way it existed when the game launched. Now, I also told myself if another player were to come by and cast those other buffs on me, that would be fine. I'd have no problem with that because that's kind of how it would work uh, when the game launched, right? And that was kind of a cool thing and a nice way to say hi or meet a player or something. Is you'd see someone walking around, didn't have your class buff, boom, you'd, you'd cast it on them and they'd be very happy. So that, that was a cool thing. And then the final thing was quick travel, right? Uh, in Back in the day, you could quick travel once every 30 minutes. And so that's what I decided to do. I would restrict myself to quick traveling once every half hour. So those were all the restrictions that I put in place. Now, as far as which class I was going to play, I thought long and hard about this. And at the end of the day, I chose a sorcerer. And I did that primarily for two reasons. One, I really like their class story. And if I had to declare a favorite class story, mine is the sorcerer. And they're all really good, right? They're, they're, all the stories are pretty pretty darn good. But hey, this is my my favorite. And I also like Korriban as a starting world. I just like questing there. I just like the... I just think it's a very cool starting planet. It's my favorite starting planet. I, I just hate Hutta. I'm not a big fan of Ord Mantel. Uh, and Tython is pretty pretty good. So if I were to rank the starting starter planets, it's Korriban, Tython, Ord Mantel, and Hutta. So that was the reasoning why I chose uh, a sorcerer. Now, I haven't finished leveling this character by any means. In fact, I'm still on Droman Koss. Uh, but I think I've seen enough to draw some conclusions here and just kind of call an end to this experiment, maybe. So after completing Korriban, I was level 14. And I completed all the available quests, including the two heroics. Uh, my slash played, I think, was three hours and nine minutes, actually. And so one of the things I like to do is take screenshots every time I ding a level. So I went and found the level 14 ding from my original sorcerer that I leveled in Vanilla Swotor. And that character, it turns out, hit level 14 on Droman Koss while questing in Lord Grathen's compound. So it was quite a bit later... Um, even with all the steps I took to reduce my XP gains. And I mean, in today's game, level 14 at the end of Korriban, it's somewhat low. And so, I mean, the XP reduction do slow things down. And if I chose to stick with the main quest and avoid all those exploration quests, I obviously would have been a bit lower. That said, the big issue here is the game is still too easy, even at or close to the level of the NPCs I'm fighting, I'm still wiping the floor with them, and it's not even close to the challenge that it once was. Uh, for example, back in the day, the Hate Machine, which was a heroic plus two on Korriban, was virtually impossible to do without a companion. And this time around, I was level nine, and while it was a little bit challenging, there was no risk of death here at all whatsoever, and, uh, you know, I had to do a little bit more than just DPS, but not much. It was much, much easier than, than what it used to be. And this is why I'm calling uh, my experiment done. Because there's not much to do uh, 
in terms of reducing how strong my character is other than put put away the companion and strip out a lot of the gear to make things harder and and that's not something I want to do I think that's that's too artificial right that 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 goes beyond the way the game was designed and meant to be played and I don't want to take that step I'm not that interested in making things difficult here and you know harder is not a bad thing, in my opinion. It keeps things interesting. I really like the veteran and master mode chapters because of the difficulty that they offered. And I don't know what, if anything else, can be done at this point. I mean, leveling definitely needs to exist as it does, so you can get a new character to the end quickly. I mean, it's a five-year-old game here. And because, really, that's where all the action action lies. That's where the new chapters are. That's where the uprisings are. I mean, you know, you want to get to max level and, you know, you can't spend a month or two doing it. By the same token, though, people do like to go back and create alts and replay the original stories. And it would be nice if at least the main storylines had some type of difficulty mode like Fallen Empire and uh, the Eternal Throne chapters because the combat does get boring and, and it, and it, and it really takes some of the, it takes some of the fun out of leveling. I mean, I, I mean, nothing else to say. I mean, I can only go so, so far and then I just get bored to death. And in part, yes, I've seen the stories. I know what's happening next. I know exactly where to go and what to do with these quests. But, you know, on a character like my sort, it doesn't matter. Gold, gold, silver elites, a big pack of mobs. That doesn't matter. I just, you know, fire up Force Storm and just, you know, Force Storm, Force Storm, Force Storm. Maybe Chain Lightning and then they're dead and then then I move on to the next thing. And so, you know, like I said, it just gets a little bit boring. It needs to be spiced up. And speaking of boring, I suspect you've probably had enough of me today. So with that, I definitely hear the music and that can mean only one thing. You've managed to survive another half hour listening to episode 28 of the State of the Old Republic podcast, and I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is currently SotorPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at Sotor Podcast and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast and look for episodes 29 on March 21st, 2017. And remember the Sith code, cake is alive.